Welcome to episode 12 of CTU Speaks Protest and Politics. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teachers. I am your co-host Andrea at Robert Fulton Elementary. And I'm Jim from King College Prep. We're down here at CTU headquarters recording at Studio 350, the intergalactic headquarters of CTU and... CTU Speaks. Whoa. That's right. We are the only podcast in the universe called CTU Speaks. Wow. I've checked. So today we'll be interviewing the CTU 9. If you don't know who these courageous people are, these were Chicago teachers during the strike that were willing to talk with a representative from Sterling Bay who stole $1.3 billion billion. of TIF money that was used for our students, was supposed to be used for our students, Mm -hmm. but they use, they are using it. For developing the Lincoln Yards community, which is already kind of pretty well developed. It's pretty nice up there. So our CTU 9 sought to speak to representative, but instead of speaking to a representative, they had to speak to a judge today. Uh But the good thing is the charges were dropped. Yeah, they were. So we're going to speak to them and hear their story on why they did what they did. And we're also going to talk to freshman Alderman Jeanette Taylor of the 20th War to hear her perspective on the new budget of Chicago. Nice. So we're going to have a lot to do in this episode, but before we get there, we want to talk a little bit about TIFFs. I know we've talked about that in a previous show. You should back up to episode seven, our talk with Ben Jarofsky. Remember yes, that one? Yes, really good one. That was fun. We were in his studio. Remember that? That's right. You got to educate yourself. That's right. And he made fun of you about liking Aaron Rodgers still. Uh, I don't know if he made fun of me, but you know. Well, I, I heard him on another show. Yeah. No. Uh, all right. <laughs> So anyway, so um, just to remind us that TIFs in Chicago, these are property taxes that are taken back by the city to develop properties around the city. The idea was to develop blighted areas, which were underdeveloped areas, areas where businesses may not have found it to be economically viable for them to invest in. And this gave them an incentive to come to certain communities, especially communities that um, needed this type of development had some kind of economic problems there already. However, some people abuse the TIFs because there are no real restrictions on the TIFs. No, not really. Yes, as you are correct, it should be used for blighted communities, but any community can say how they're blighted. Like Lincoln Park right like now. Like Lincoln Park right now. And so you can have wealthy developers say they are in need of it and can convince people like the mayor and city council as to why they not just need thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions, but billions of dollars dollars. in this money. And apparently it works. And this money is taken out of needy communities and is constantly making the rich richer and kind of sometimes forces the poor or even the middle class to lead their communities because of these developers and gentrification. Yeah. And it's terrible. We've got People that can't afford the communities they live in, but we're giving money away to billionaire developers who obviously have plenty of money to develop those communities on their own. On their own. Yep. And that's and that's how we're deciding to invest here in the city. And meanwhile, the schools are underinvested, which and and because of that, they're under enrolled because a lot of parents look at this and say, hey, this school does not have a music teacher. This school is overcrowded classrooms. They don't have these programs. So I have to take my child out. So it just. Right. The disinvestment brings under enrollment and, and makes the school starving. Yeah. And it's crazy. They snatch that money from us. I mean, I'm paying part of my money to develop this community in Lincoln Yards. 
I'm paying money for billionaires you to be are. able to live and have a cool little playground there. But my kids can't go to a school with with uh, all the services they need. Now they have a lot more after the contract now, though. Yeah, and their kids are not going to your public school. No, they're school not going either. there. No, of course not. So I was just on uh, Sterling Bay's website today. They're the company that's developing uh, the Lincoln oh. Yards development. I know, right? It's crazy up there. And you know, I went to their About Us page, and they've got a little thing on what they call charitable giving, which I found kind of amusing, mm. right? How do I give you money? Then you're, then you give it back. And you're right. like, oh, oh lucky me. Yeah, I know. Right. I think we're uh, the charitable givers. Uh, apparently we are. The well, Lori payers. thinks we are. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that too. But so this is what they said. They said, and this is a quote, each year, Sterling Bay donates nearly half a million dollars to worthy organizations. Now, th- if you think about that, that is, that's 0.004% of what the city is giving them. Wow. At that rate, it would take 2,400 years for us to get our money back. And who, why do they get to determine what's worthy? Shouldn't it be are the people of Chicago that determine who's worthy? Our elected officials, our aldermen that decide where this money goes? No. I think so. We give it right, we give it right to them, and then they give it back, and we're supposed to say, oh, thanks. You know, snatch my money and then give me some of it back. And I'm like, oh, you're so nice. That's crazy. And also, let's also remember that the mayor had a choice on what to do. We've talked a lot on this show about how budgets are a moral document. And she jumped into it before she even had to. She was not even mayor when this uh, was being proposed. And she jumped into it and said that she supports it. She could have just kept her mouth shut, even if she did support it. But she felt so strongly this should be going through that she decided to jump in when Rom was still the mayor. Wow. And she said she needs to do it. She was in favor of that. And, and that, again, is a moral choice. We are choosing to give money to the wealthiest people of the city and choosing to force poor and middle class families out of the city because of the way we structure our budget here in Chicago. And I think that's just so ironic because our previous mayor said we, he wants the city to be a world class city. And I don't understand it's going to be a world class city when people are constantly not just leaving the city, but the state. And people really look at the morality of a city by how you treat the poor people yep. of your city. And this is what you're doing. You're disinvesting um, in your, your, this is your school system. Right. This is a school system you should be proud of, but you have two, it's like you have two different school systems. You have two different cities. Right. You have the cities that cater to the rich and part of the city that has the poor that you don't cater to. And it's like a tale of two cities. And this exactly. is not the kind of city that we should want to live in when you have, Right. Two types of city. Yeah. And it's more than just the schools too. We, we always read in the business publications that taxes in Chicago are too high, but we're taxing ourselves more to give money to these wealthy communities, uh, wealthy uh, development communities. And these are property taxes that are added on. Um, again, if you go back to the episode we had with Ben Jarofsky, he's super upset about the fact that people don't understand these are property tax increases. This is $1.3 billion more that Chicago is paying in taxes than they should have to. And this is money that's going to the people who just don't need it. So it's really important to understand that wealthy developers, once they receive the tips and they realize or they come to some kind of realization that this was wrong, they can give it back. Nice. And it is okay for you as a taxpayer to ask for them or demand for demand them to pay it back, it back yeah. or some of it back. And the, the CTU-9 was asking for Sterling Bay to pay just a little bit back, $38 million, yeah. which was what was separating 
the CTU um, from CPS on coming to an agreement with the tentative agreement. We were like $38 million in just disagreement. Right. And that would have been able to bridge the gap. And so if you feel the urge and you find out people or businesses who have taken tip dollars, write them a letter, yep. call them, ask for a back. Yep. There's no reason they have to keep that. It's happened before. A bunch of years back, we got TIF money back from United Airlines and several other companies when they realized that this was not the, the position they wanted to take in the public eye. And we can force other companies and other organizations to do the same thing. I think we should get into the habit of when people, when businesses like that taking our dollars, we got to publicize. Yeah, we got to know. We got to tell the public. Yeah, this is it's what, our right this is to know happened. that. Yes, it's yeah. your right. We are citizens of the city. We deserve to know. Yes, indeed. Welcome back. We are with the courageous CTU9, who was brave enough to protest in the lobby of Sterling Bay's office, wanting to speak with um, speak with who's in charge. But instead of being having a conversation, they call the cops. All right. So I know you guys are known collectively as the CTU9, but I also know you are individual people. So maybe you guys can introduce yourselves and your school where you're from. Starting over here. Let's, yeah, let's go around. I'm Sarah Gaiman, and I teach at Andrew Jackson Language Academy. I'm a second grade teacher there. Hi, I'm Celeste Esquivel. I teach at Jan School of the Fine Arts. Um, I'm the music teacher, pre-K-8. My name is Sandra Murillo. I am a sixth and seventh grade ELA and social studies teacher at Sherman School of Excellence. My name is Jenna Fortin. I'm the seventh and eighth grade teacher at Ravenswood Elementary School for social studies. Hi, my name is Sarah Peace, and I'm a music teacher at Scammon Elementary, pre-K-3. Great. Hi, my name is Hilario Dominguez, and I'm a special education teacher, also a case manager at Peter Cooper Dual Language in Pilsen. Hi, my name is Arielle Kicken. I'm a first grade teacher at Andrew Jackson Language Academy. Hi, my name is Roxana Gonzalez, and I am the eighth grade social studies teacher at Jorge Prieto Math and Science Academy. Hi, I'm Cynthia Gonzalez. I teach eighth grade uh, science and social studies at Marquette School of Excellence. All right, so I know you guys were protesting at the Sterling Bay property, and that's because the city decided to give Sterling Bay $1.3 billion with a B in TIF funds, most of which should be coming to the Chicago Public Schools. So how did you guys decide that's where we were going to go, and how did you guys end up the ones inside the lobby? Um, yeah, Sterling Bay is a greedy developer who has received $1.3 billion uh, of our taxpayer money. And we picked them because we thought that they should consider giving some of that money back to the youth of our city. And then the second part, uh, why, 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 how did why you end I? up in their lobby? Yeah. So we ended up in there because we finessed our way in there. Essentially, <laughs> nice. um, we covered our are red and we just put our heads down and walked into the lobby. They kind of had their security and police officers ready to, to meet us. Uh, but we caught them by surprise and just walked on into the lobby. We were able to get in there. Although there were, I want to point out that there was like 70 teachers, educators ready to get arrested that day, mm -hmm. right? They were ready to risk arrest. We were just the nine that were able to finesse their way, our, our way into the lobby. Hi, this is Sarah Peace. Uh, so adding on to what Ilario said, uh, there were newscasters in front in the front doors and the front doors were locked. Uh, and so we walked into the cafe, which we knew was open. Uh, we had a couple of members who were already there uh, acting as, you know, who were ready to enter in the building. And uh, what happened is only nine of us were able to get in before they locked the doors behind us. 
but we would also like to add that the there were teachers in front of the glass doors that were also in support and stayed there uh, to cheer us on and support us. And so it was not just the teachers in the lobby, but teachers on the outside who were there with us, too. So once you were in the lobby, what was the goal? Were you trying to speak to an official? Did you ask for the head of the Sterling Bay to come down or were you just waiting there to get arrested? What was the goal once you were in the lobby? Hi, this is Celeste Esquivel. So when we first got in there, right, the goal was kind of to be inconspicuous, like we were undercover. And once um, the people got in who were able to get in, the goal was to just congregate and um, speak to a representative of of Sterling Bay. We went and talked to um, the lobby manager. I don't know the worker there. I don't know what its title was, but um, the goal was to deliver a letter in hopes that a representative from Sterling Bay would come down and have a dialogue with us or at the least collect the letter. Um, What was in the letter? What were you trying to get? Basically um, asking them to reconsider their deal with the mayor, right? They, we've mentioned numerous times they received $1.3 billion. Um, What we were asking was less than 1% of that in order to help fund our schools. And nobody came down? No, they, the um, lobby worker seemed very uncomfortable with the entire situation. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when we heard the answer was no, um, we said, okay, well then we'll just wait here then. And how long do you have to wait? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> An hour, 30 minutes. About 30 minutes. I would say we were probably there for less than an hour. Oh, this is Jenna Fortin. Uh, we were probably there for less than an hour. We could not um, hear the people from the outside, from the inside, I think is something important to add as well. Um, we were chanting actively and um, we were chanting strategically mm. um, to actually state that we we just want to meet. Right. Um, and that what we want to meet about is precisely the fact that uh, Sterling Bay stole money. They didn't take the money because you actually have to be a blighted area right. in right. order to receive tip do- these type of tip dollars. Um, so not only were we trying to encourage them to talk to Mayor Larry Lightfoot about redistributing the money back to the schools to settle our contract, but we are also trying to say, um, you are trying to criminalize us, but who are the criminals here mm-hmm. when... You have done what you have done. So how did the arrest happen? You were there for about an hour. How did the arrest actually take place? This is Roxana. Um, And so we were sitting down um, and the police chief came in. And at first they had told us that we were not going to be given any warnings. Um, Then they reconvened and reconsidered and told us that we would get three official warnings. Um, So, um, you know, we were chanting. uh, We were, you know, feeding off of the energy from the folks outside. Um, And we had all made that conscious decision of this was something we were willing to risk um, if we were not able to talk to Sterling Bay. Uh, So at the end of the third warning, there were, I want to say, a wall of like nine officers that stood between us and the windows outside where the rest of our colleagues were and where the media was uh, to block the view. Uh, And then they started the arrest. So uh, they took us out one by one, handcuffed us with the metal handcuffs. There weren't any zip ties. Um, They put them on nice and tight um, and escorted us out um, into police cars. Uh, Sarah and I got to ride on the back of a police wagon. 
Um, you know, it was, it, it was the real deal. Like they were arresting us. I also want to add, uh, this is Sarah Peace. Uh, I want to add that if all the teachers and educators who were part of the action actually got in, they would not have been able to arrest us because there was such a, it would have been too large a number, but because only nine of us were able to get in before they locked the doors, that's what made it possible for them to uh, escort our, our, our group out. Uh, and so again, I want to stress that the point wasn't to get arrested. The point was to right. speak to the CEO. Uh, but since only nine of us were able to get in, um, that led also to, that's part of what led to our arrest as well. This is Eladio. And just piggybacking off of that, um, I want to stress that they didn't have to arrest us, mm. right? Yeah. Like this was a conscious decision made by greedy developers to arrest nine educators. They could have let us sit in the lobby and yell all day long. We would have eventually gotten tired and probably right. left, <laughs> right? Um, they could have come down and spoken to us, which was the easiest option. So was somebody there? Uh, was, was there a representative yeah. there? Oh, they had their whole there? office up top in the 12th floor, wherever they were, that, you know, they could have um, <laughs> sent down anyone. To be quite honest, they probably could have sent down, um, you know, a, a secretary and we wouldn't have known, <laughs> right? right. Yeah. So. One, they could have come down to meet us. Two, they could have just let us sit there um, and chant all day long. Um, or three, like uh, for all for all we know, like they did, they didn't have to call the cops and file an official charge, right? Like police told us the reason they had to arrest us was because they filed an official charge, wow. right? Which is telling of what kind of people they are and their prior where their priorities lie. So what was the charge? It was like a um, disorderly conduct, misdemeanor. What was the actual charge? Right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, this is Ariel. Um, we were charged with criminal trespassing. So what, what happened at the hearing today? I know you guys had a big hearing. And so what happened with the criminal trespass charge? Um, so we all came to court today at 1 p.m. And um, the charges were dropped. So nobody Woo. from Sterling Bay... Right. So the judge felt it probably wasn't legit to criminalize teachers that are just trying to get money for their students. Yeah. So you gotta say have to take a personal business day. Yeah. We had to take. We had to take. Use up one of our three. One of your th- right. one of our one of three our days. Three. Wow. Wow. On a day that we would have been off, that. that we could have been alright. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So did you tell? Do your students know about the activism that you have done? And if so, hmm. how are they responding to this? Hey, everybody. This is Sandro. Um, yeah, so my students definitely know about this. So I teach in back of the yards, like West Englewood. I do, too. I ride at Fools and down the street. Oh, nice. Okay. You know, 53rd and Hermitage. Oh, I love I love. Okay. Yeah. I love that. So, <laughs> nice. um, and I, I really wanted to let my students know what happened, especially my seventh graders, because my school is small enough to where I loop with them. So, like, I knew them last year when they were sixth graders. So right. we're going on over a year. They were my first class teaching. So we're pretty close. And so there was a conversation about the strike that we had. And then I was kind of telling the story of the CTU-9, like, ambiguously. Mm. And I was like, yeah, there was these nine adults. And... They were all teachers. They went to this lobby and they were demanding to speak with somebody. And, you know, they just made so much disruption that they called the police. And then I showed them a picture of all nine of us like Mm. sitting down and they're like, "Okay, yeah, cool. And the person sitting closest to the screen was like, that's that's Mr. M. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. Because also there's another like Latino male there. Right. So they were like. Uh, no, that's somebody else. No, no, look at the guy on the left. That is him. And then eventually someone goes, were you there? And I was like, yeah, yeah, nice. I was. I was like, yes, I was. Um, and we, and then the, it took a very nice deep turn. Cause it was like, well, why were you there? 
Mm. And I was like, okay, well, hello. Like, I'm because I care about y'all, because I love y'all, because I know that what other things go on outside of a school that are something as unrelated as taking money still affects you. Exactly. Because you don't have the resources you need to be successful in my room, you know? And it, it led to a bunch of different conversations that were really fruitful. I even ended up telling my sixth grade class. And they were like, oh, my God. And that was a whole different take, too. Sure. Every class they were is like, different. They, they were just very, they were more hype about it. And I was like, this is weird. We don't have to do that. But, um, but yeah, a conversation was definitely had. And it went over really well because it was a moment for my students to kind of understand that I'm more than just the guy that collects their papers every morning, you know, that I care about them a whole lot deeper than what they think teachers are supposed to. They give you like a round of applause, like, thank you so much. For <laughs> they the actually, oh my goodness, they actually, um, I see them in the morning for ELA and then I, we have lunch and then I see them again for social studies. They, sixth grade actually came back after uh, lunch where they made a whole card. Aww. And it was like, nice. it was, it was so funny. It was like, Thank you for dot, dot, dot. And then you open it. And I was like, for going on strike for us. And then one of my Aww. students wrote a, in a, <laughs> wrote a message that was like, what did he say? He's like, yo, you got arrested. That's so, what did he say? Hold on. That's no, no. dope. Right? Yeah, no, no. He was like, stop. No, because it was like, oh, he said, you went to jail. You raw. And I was like, thank you. Like, that really means I'm a jealous. Lot. None of my kids did that for me, but that's great. <laughs> you raw too. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was a really cool like moment of organizing on their end where they was like, yo, we're going to make this card for him and then we're going to deliver it. Don't let him see it. It was really cool. It was really cool. Very cool. Awesome. This is Jenna Fortin. Uh, I actually had a former student who this is my eighth year of teaching now. I teach seventh and eighth grades. So some of my former students are are now adults. Mm. Um, and so one of them um, who I actually had to fiercely advocate that he got services um, as a student. Um, that he deserves, like Sandra was talking about. Um, he actually came to the jail when we were released. Um, wow. And there was a hashtag on Twitter. I didn't know until after I was out of jail that there was um, what is now like an iconic image of me in my community um, getting into a police car. Uh, and there was a hashtag among my students, hashtag free Fortin, um, <laughs> that they like told me about right when I went back to school. When I went back to school, my uh, drama teacher actually dressed up as me um, <laughs> with like handcuff and all. Um, but I would say it's those community links directly um, to see how much we've had to fight for members of our community. Um, far and wide. We are a magnet cluster school. Um, and so knowing how hard we have to fight on the daily uh, gave me enough energy for those 11 days. So what were like originally maybe some of the issues in your classroom that led you to do this? And like some, like some of the others have said, like some of the follow-ups from your classroom, the like teachable moments that have come from this, because of course, only teachers can turn an arrest into a lesson plan. <laughs> Hi, um, this is Sarah, Sarah Gaiman. Sorry. Um, <laughs> So I have been teaching for 11 years um, in two states and many different schools. And now working at Jackson Language Academy, we draw students in from all across the city. So I have had the privilege of seeing students come from different neighborhoods and different backgrounds and different levels of privilege. And I think that the moment there and the teachable moment and the what I have to take away from that and live with and um, fight for is that it shouldn't only be half of my class that comes from having all of these experiences and all of this privilege and that every single student that all of us work with deserves that. 
Right. Um, and before the strike even happened, um, I was talking to my students and they're seven. Um, and they were like, you know, my mom says we're not coming to school because like the teachers aren't going to be here. And it's like, OK, like, let's talk about this. And so we you know, we had just done this activity in our classroom talking about how people in power can make rules that are unfair through this simulation game. Um, and then we looked at the image of you know, the kids in the baseball field with the fence and the boxes and then taking away the fence. And, um, you know, we had talked about that, you know, fair is that everybody gets what they need. And here are some real statistics in schools across our city. And at the end of the day, I had a seven-year-old come up to me and he said, I'm really going to miss you tomorrow. And I I just like, I I just hope things can get fixed. And he said, Mm. I just don't understand why things aren't fair already so that I can come to school every day. Wow. That's very emotional. I would have I would have done it, too. I would have been in Sterling Bay as well. <laughs> yeah. Seven years told me that. Hey, this is Sandro again. Uh, I think a lot of things leading up to that action that I think about like all the time is just the fact that the uh, what I have to say to my students when they are physically hurt or when they're right. They're like, oh, like they're literally like bleeding and it's like a scratch or whatever. Like, oh, can I go see the nurse? I'm like, well, you I can send you to the front office, but it's not Monday. Right. So yeah. there, there will not be anyone to help you out. And then, I, and so uh, say, saying those things, being in the office with a student who got scratched during PE and uh, they're like, does anyone have Neosporin? Like my, my principal asked me that. Do you have Neosporin? And I'm like, no, I don't. Sorry. You know, and it's like wow. the fact that those are even concerns or questions. It's, it's where is the Neosporin? It's not, right. the, do you have Neosporin? You know what I mean? Right. Or, can, or can you get the Neosporin? You know what I mean? So yeah. I just think the fact that the responses that I have to tell my students on a daily basis about what they need when it comes to their uh, their health and well-being, seeing as though one of those things that we fought for uh, was a nurse in every school, uh, was something that I really thought about leading up during the strike and leading up to this action in general. So how has this action changed you all? Like, what is the next step for the CTU-9, whether collectively or individually? What do you feel like you're going to do next in this movement? Uh, this is Sarah Peace. Uh, action afterwards uh, for me is tied into why I felt led to be a part of a uh, greater action. Uh, my school is Scammon Elementary. It's in the Kilburn Park neighborhood. Uh, the issue that's going around in my neighborhood right now are luxury development apartments are being built and my students are being bought out of their own neighborhood. Yeah. And what happened before the strike is one family literally in the middle of the week moved on a Wednesday and they were like, we can't afford rent and we're gone. We're moving to the suburbs tomorrow. Wow. She uh, one of, uh, was an eighth grade student uh, who came to my classroom at the end of the day and was like, Miss Peace, I'm not going to see you again because we're going to the suburbs. And I was like, do you know wow. what suburb? Do you know where you're going to go? And she was like, I don't know. And, and she actually asked, she's like, can I have your number? And I was like, I can't give you my number. Here's my email so we can stay in contact. Uh, but that really broke my heart that my students can't afford to live in this neighborhood and can't come to our school. This happened before the strike. And so part of what I wanted to do is who will speak up for these students? Who will speak up for these communities? Because if the community is too expensive for them, then that's telling them that they don't belong there. And who's going to tell them and remind them, no, you deserve to live here. You deserve a roof over your head. You deserve an education. We will fight here for you. And so action for me uh, afterwards is joining organizations that are fighting for affordable housing uh, and doing work uh, 
to also um, educate my community. Uh, we, I, me and uh, two other teachers went to our alder, the alderman's office at our school um, to advocate for our students. The alderman wasn't there. This is Ariel Reboidas. He wasn't in office. So we talked to the secretary and she said, oh, the initiative for the luxury development apartments uh, to get built was uh, agreed upon by the community. Uh, the tenants, the landlords, we got their vote and they said yes. And we were like, our school community does not reflect that. Who are you asking? Did you translate? Did you translate those flyers? Did you make those actually accessible and affordable, available, excuse me, to our community that's primarily Latinx and Spanish speaking? Did you translate for them? Did you ask them? Because our community does not reflect that. And so uh, part of the work that I want to be a part of is making sure that our students have a place to live yeah. that they can afford. And I know that work that I need to do is I need to learn how that system works um, so that I can help my community have a place to live and a quality education that all these students, all students and all kids deserve. I'm so glad you shared that story because many people um, who were critics of us fighting for quality housing and fair housing in the city. Like what, right. what, what they got to do with teachers and yeah. don't have anything to do with them. You should be just fighting about pay and benefits. But this is why, because many Absolutely. of our students are leaving. They love us. They want to be in our presence. They want to learn from us and they are forced to move so abruptly right. because there is no regulation and some, you know, regulation about housing in the city. And so we need to hear that story. And this is why CTU is fighting for fair housing in our city. So thank you for sharing that. And it's just crazy that we've got a, a mayor that supports sending billions of dollars for luxury high rises. When we have students that can't afford basic rent within the communities they've lived in for generations and come to the community schools that we're at every day. And we have teachers like this willing to fight for them. And the mayor does not prioritize that and instead prioritizes developers. And that's what it's still supposed to go. Yeah, no, it's supposed to go to the neighborhoods. Right. So I know that um, we were about day nine in the strike when this occurred. And of course, we didn't know this at the time, but it was only going to be another day or two until we end up with a tentative agreement and everything goes, uh, goes that way. So how did, we, how did you guys decide at that point that's what we were going to do? And then what kind of happened from there that leads us to where we end up as a, with a tentative agreement? And you guys had just gotten arrested. So this is Roxana. Uh, so on day nine, uh, going into the action, you know, of course, we didn't know how the strike would end. Right. Uh, we were going into the action, you know, day nine, the mayor had written that letter, told us to go back to work, had told us repeatedly in the media that yeah. there wasn't any more money. Shame on you know, us. she, you know, uh, you know, constantly criticizing us for demanding too much, asking for too much um, and not living like within the means of the city. Um, and the conversation we had before our action was, you know, acknowledging that there is money um, and the priorities are what's off. Uh, right. So we went into the action uh, with the clear goal of uh, communicating with Sterling Bay and asking or demanding, right, right. Um, that they renegotiate that deal and give uh, redirect the the tiffs to CPS. Um, but we also were sending a message to the mayor uh, because she ultimately has the power to uh, set the budget in the city mm. and to fund the priorities that she has. Uh, so we went in, um, you know, took action. We were arrested, um, spent about eight hours in holding. Um, wow. And the next day, day 10, um, arrived at our picket lines where we were looking at some of our wins and kind of taking stock of what we what we had won and 
uh, what there was, you know, kind of left to fight for. Um, You know, it it was a a really difficult time in the strike because we were coming to terms with the fact that, you know, maybe this was what there was to win Mm -hmm. um, and that maybe uh, we needed to consider what we had won and accept a deal, uh, which was really hard because at yeah, that point uh, we were, we were going at, at a hundred. We were, um, I know at a lot of schools, it was, you know, a boost of energy um, seeing us getting arrested and um, kind of the love that we received from the CTU community with, and the Chicago community in general, people reaching out to us uh, was was great. And, you know, to, to kind of have to stop and put the brakes on that and, look at a tentative agreement and quickly do a vote. Um, it, it was difficult. Hey, this is Hilario. I think uh, another thing I'd like to add to what Roxana was saying is that as we were sitting down, um, we literally took a vote on whether or not, you know, we wanted to risk arrest, continue because the police officer was giving us warning. So we decided like, okay, we're on the second warning, yeah. one more warning and we might actually get arrested. Yeah. So we so sat down. How long down. was it between warnings? Was it like, like right back to it back? It seemed like forever, but it was probably like 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minute warnings. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wish they had the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we literally all started talking about how we felt and voted on, you know, whether or not we wanted to do this. Um, and something I expressed was that I noticed the day before, that both days before, um, that day and Monday, that at my school, the morale seemed to have been getting low, right? People started to feel like they were tired. Right. Um, and I can see in people's faces that it was just different. And I expressed that if this changed even 5% of, of our you know, union, 10%, if they give them a little bit of energy, then it would be worth it to me. And right. everyone expressed the same thing, right? So for us, it was like, we can just get people to smile for one more day and to keep chanting for one more day, that was going to be worth it for us. It's Jenna Fortin. It's exhausting to constantly try to defend the fact that our students' lives matter. Right. Um, a budget to what end is what I'm thinking about both right now before we got arrested when we were voting on the contract, personally, I voted no. Um, and that's not because I don't think we made a lot of wins. I think we made a lot of historic wins. But I know the lived reality of my students in the classroom, and we did not win enough for everyone. Um, but we shouldn't have to win that. That should be something that is prioritized. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's ex- it becomes exhausting, right? And I think um, teachers overall, we did have a level of exhaustion, mm-hmm. but we had fight. And so it's a real juxtaposition there, right? Um, we knew exactly what we were fighting for, but we had to decide um, something almost impossible. Yeah. So yeah, so like you all did not know each other before. Did any of you know each other before this situation? Just a, a few of you, but now you got to get a night, you're a new family, you have this new bond. What, so what is that like? What, 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 what it's going to be like this little, this, um, I say, I was going to say little rock. Wow. This, I think about this little rock it nine. It's another school system. But the CTU nine, like you all are friends now, like this bond. What are we, what are we going to see with you all next? Hi, this is Sarah Gaiman. Um, I think the thing moving forward is just really relying on this family that we've yes, created. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, Beyond just having this shared experience and this friendship, um, when things changed, you know, we were all 
like Roxana said, at 100. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're voting on this tentative agreement. We're going back to work. We've got to be teachers. We have all of this to process. Um, There would be times when I'd be on the phone with my mom for like 10 minutes and I would hang up and it would be like 62 missed text messages. Um, You know, like this is a constant sharing of lesson plans and emotions and processing. And, you know, it's really strong with the nine of us, but it was there throughout the whole strike. Um, you know, as people were being handcuffed and taken to the police, um, cars to be escorted out, um, we were in two lines and the back line was taken out first. Um, and that's where our gentlemen were, whose voices carried and echoed through that room. And I happened to be the last person stood up and taken out. So there was a while where I was just kind of sitting on the floor in the (laughs) lobby by myself and the people who were outside, you know, occupying that sidewalk in front started like banging on the glass. And it was just this like, okay, these people left, but like there are people all around this city. And, you know, so to be a part of that is amazing, but it is only like amplified a hundredfold within this group of nine. Please. Yeah. And this is Celeste. Um, to add on to that, um, I just want to make it clear that, and I think I can speak for all of us when we say like there was not a moment where our students were not on our mind that whole time. Right. Um, the seven of us, they had the men and women separated in group holding, but mm. the seven of us were literally in their unit planning and lesson planning and like, <laughs> no, I'm not wow. kidding. And we said, yeah, we would yeah. be, we would be doing work in here, but honestly, like that, that was at the forefront of our minds. Like, how, how are we going to take this back into the classroom? How are we going to empower our students to create that change within their communities? Because it can't just be us, right? We need to empower our students to, like, be advocates for themselves and show them that their voice matters, right? We're just we're just the people opening up the door. It's them that are our future and that are eventually going to lead this fight. They just need that door propped open. Yeah. And a lot of them are already. So if anything, this was inspiring. This family that we, this newfound family that we have now just brings so much warmth to my heart. And um, I, I feel less alone. And I know my students do too. When I came back into the classroom, I know that they felt seen and heard and mm. empowered. So, yeah. Well, thank you all so much. All right, welcome back. We are with the new freshman alderwoman of the 20th Ward, Jeanette Taylor. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for I having me. I remember last year this time, we were campaigning. We were. We were door knocking and everything. And, and look, a difference a year makes. Look at that. Mm, a big difference. A big, big difference. difference. <laughs> so Jeanette just came straight from budget hearings. That's mm-hmm. right. So what was, what was that like? For a new alderman, yes. it, I get insight to how the city really spends our tax dollars mm. and how we're in so much debt. Wow. Mm. That's scary. Mm. So we were just talking to some bargaining team mem- uh, members and we were just talking about school funding and we were talking about more progressive funding. Is that some things that you are discussing in City Hall, more progressive funding in order to keep the city and the schools afloat? So what Lori did that was different than Ron was brought us 
I mean, I want to say six weeks up until the budget hearing started. And she actually, she did a budget, budget address and she asked us about progressive revenue. Um, and of course, as new aldermen, because we all work together and we all have a lot of the same shared values, we all talked about the same thing. So pilot, mm-hmm. um, a real estate transfer tax, a LaSalle Street tax, the things that we've been talking about for years mm-hmm. and she didn't listen. So progressive really means taxing the 1% for the city to stop getting rich off the back of low income and working families. Okay. We pay high fines in parking tickets. Um, our property taxes in certain nice parts of the city up. are ridiculous. What well, we pay for garbage, um, just the amount of taxes that are on everyday folks, which either does two things. You have working parents who are working more than 40 hours a week. They work two jobs or you're talking about people who don't even work in the city because we don't make a living wage. Right. And so how do we take that burden off everyday folks mm-hmm. and put on the rich? And so you said she didn't listen. What do you mean by that? She just she said, didn't. No, so the LaSalle, right? The LaSalle Street tax was a no. Um, the real estate transfer tax, she has to go to Springfield, but there's not been a Springfield plan. So you haven't even really talked to the elected officials in Springfield to say, I want to use this. And we're kind of fighting with her on it because we want to use a percentage of it for homelessness. Um, we got 30,000 CPS students that are homeless. Um, and so we wanted to use it to 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 chop those numbers. And we were told we can't we can't do that. Can you explain what the real estate transfer tax is? So the real estate transfer tax basically taxes folks who own homes that are over a million dollars. So like everyday folks like me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not my, no, so not, my home. not you. Not okay. every it's it's really we push forth um, progressive. Um, initiatives to tax the rich. Chicago is one of the richest cities in the country, but you see um, a migration of folks leaving because they can't afford to stay here. But are these rich people leaving or the... Oh, the rich people are moving in. If you look at at the numbers over... And the census will really tell um, the income rates of folks that are being here. But if you look at the numbers of folks who moved into Chicago, those people make half a million dollars. They're Mm -hmm. not folks bringing in forty and thirty thousand dollars. But you also look at the numbers, you'll see a lot of our folks have moved to Iowa, they're in Arizona, they're right. in Minnesota, places where they could work and and they can make a living wage. Because the mayor's argument is if we tax the rich more, they're gonna leave or and the businesses are gonna leave. Right. Okay. <laughs> how long has the sales tree how how long has the board of trade been there? Right. We talk about one penny on every transaction will bring in billions of dollars. Right. Bye. See you later. How 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 much more are we going to allow people to patronize off right. our pain? Same thing with the closing of Target. When Target yes. left 87th Street in that community, they should right. never be able to build anywhere else or mm. get a damn dime of our tax dollars, right. our TIF dollars. Period. You don't get to use us as long as you want to, and then when you feel like it, you get you up and leave. When do we right. stand for people? And low income and working families, and let's let's call it what it yeah. is: black and Latino neighborhoods. Right. When right. do we say enough is enough? I agree. I haven't been a target since they closed. I live right <laughs> by eighty seven, and I haven't been a target. Right. I was so mad at that. I was like, why did they close? It was like no read. They were making money, so I didn't understand the re- the rationale for closing it. And I just felt bad for all the people losing their jobs. But right. I haven't been a target since. I, I think it's really a myth <laughs> about the people moving out anyway. When you look yes. around the country. Like, you know, you got California, they've got the highest income tax rate in the country. They've got the highest concentration of millionaires and billionaires. The, the benefit of being a billionaire, you get to live wherever you want. 
And, and think and, about this. In my community, the ward I represent, we're getting the Obama Presidential Center. Mm-hmm. Right. There are developers at my door every day mm. wanting to build there because they know what's coming. And the only thing that's stopping them from pushing more folks out of right. the community is little old me. Yep. Well, thanks. I want to say little old you. Little old you. So in in the last election, there was a a wave of progressive candidates sort of that are moving in. Yes. Now, unfortunately, that wave is nowhere near a majority. Mm -hmm. So why is it important that we've got this progressive voice on city council when they can just be overridden by the others? Because we still don't have 26 votes. We're moving up and we're asking the right question. So think about this. Superintendent. Eddie Johnson, mm-hmm. um, the Laquan McDonald IG report came out and he signed off on it. And so what he did was go back to the black, the black caucus and say, this is not how it happened. That's not what I did. And when they had a press conference, I didn't stand with them. There's no gray area for me. Right. It's either you're right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And if that was the case, you should have came to us on the front end. And so when do we have people who just tell it like it is? And right. that's who a lot of new progressive folks are and it gives some coverage to some of the folks that are there. Do I feel like some of them should have retired years ago? Of course <laughs> I do, but they have more help. So we have no excuses. Think about this. We have 20 votes on the black caucus. We have 17 votes on the progressive caucus. There is some layover. We have more than 26 to do anything that we want to do to make this city appreciate the folks who are here and nice. to protect them. If we care about the people and we got to be looking, we cannot start to run people in two in three years. We need to start people now. Right. And we need to keep our eyes. We need to keep our eyes on the people who are in office. Look who comes to city council. Right. Look who votes. Look how they vote. I used right. to hate the report cards back in the day, but I understand them clearly now. Because mm-hmm. now you get to, to, to grade these people who say that they're for their community. Because too often people get in those positions. And they forget how they got there and who right. elected them to get there. Okay, so let's switch up a little bit. So we know that when you were running for office, you you had a very strong educational platform. Mm-hmm. So now the teachers went on strike. What was what was your thinking uh, of this strike, and why do you think this was happening? What was the support of uh, the city council? I was thinking y'all was doing what we should have been doing for years or was trying to do when Karen Lewis was the president, mm-hmm. which was get some equity across CPS. Mm-hmm. Right. Asking for a nurse, that's basic needs. Yeah. Asking for a social worker, asking for a librarian, asking for smaller class size. It happens on the north side. Why does it not happen on the south and west side? Right. So the teachers were righteous. And asking for what they, this was not greedy teachers. That's the problem is Mm. because you don't have your child in this system. You don't know. See, when you send your child to private school, Mm. you don't know. Right. That's true. You don't know. Or you go visit a school and what do principals normally do? They shine up the school, make it Mm -hmm. clean, have Mm -hmm. everybody put on their good clothes and makes the school look perfect when that's not the reality of a lot of our school. That's true. Now, I know that toward the end of the strike, the Latino caucus was saying, telling like the mayor, Lori, like, hey, get, um, make a deal. The teaching these back in school. What, um, was the Black caucus a part of that? Or do, I didn't really hear from the Black caucus. So what the Black caucus did was bring, so Janice asked to come in. Okay. And to the Black caucus credit, they called and said, hey, Stacey, why don't you come in too? And we had the conversation. But of course, we were behind the eight ball. 
and just never really got to send out a letter of support. But okay. I was with my teachers. I went to the picket line, whatever I needed to do, yeah. um, I was going to do. And that's just, you know, it takes time for people to change. And one of the reasons why I got so much respect for Stacy is we had a conversation and she said, don't be upset with yourself about not being a politician. Mm. You an organizer, go down there and organize. Right. And so that's my responsibility nice. and duty is to organize these different caucuses that I sit on. Right. I just got here in May. It's going to take me some, some time. It is right. because yeah. changing minds and mindsets yeah. is Absolutely. not an easy thing, it's not. especially for black folks. Right. It's just, it's just <laughs> not. Right. It's true. So I'm, I'm just wondering, I was kind of interested just thinking about what, what did the strike look like from inside City Hall? Mm. Like, we, we, we were walking around outside City Hall. Right. I'm wondering what it looked like from inside City Hall. It looked like people made promises and they didn't stick to them. And they were running around trying to figure out what to do with these 80,000 teachers <laughs> who refused to go in a classroom because they care about the young people they educated. That's what it looked like. Okay. Nice. I just kind of, I just kind of think about that. Like, like we were walking around and uh, just doing our chants and what all the different ones, whatever it was. And like, Lori, and I just, I just <laughs> so imagine they, they're this. sitting in there and just hearing this. When and you're I'm, on the know. right side of justice, what it looks like is mm -hmm. what it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. So what's the next, uh, what are the next um, actionable plans that um, the, old, the, new, the freshman alderman or the alderman in general city council is doing in terms of education? So now we're at a space where how do we get people to see what these um, schools actually look like? Okay. Part of the problem is these folks don't send their kids to schools on the south and west side. Right. They're in other places. And so they really don't see what we see and what we are challenged with every day. And too often we're so busy working with what we got, which we shouldn't, we shouldn't have to do, but we do it. Okay. I've been in a classroom with 30 kids and no paraprofessional. Right. And teachers, because they were sometimes tenured, they came from the community. They look like me. They can manage. That's not what we got in the system now. We got a system where we beat up the very people that we expect to turn out the next president, the right. next mayor, the next right. called the person. Like, and so there's this really disrespectful disrespect to teachers mm -hmm. and so we got to do the job to change that narrative but in this space we got to bring to light how chicago public schools actually spends the money mm. please explain to me why they're paying for 42 west madison when they can go in one of those closed schools i'll wait <laughs> yep that's true yep y'all making everybody a couple else closed schools mm -hmm. oh a couple yes a couple closed schools you, is right you're yeah. making everybody else buckle mm. the belt that's true. Yeah. You need to buckle the belt. That's right. So I told you, it ain't black. I'm black and white. There's no gray area for me. Mm. But speaking about money, uh, we've we've had a couple guests on the show talking about tiffs, mm. and I, I again, it's one of those things I'm interested <laughs> oh, yeah. on from the inside, and like it, and also what role can aldermen play in either closing a tiff, redistributing the money, yes. that kind do of stuff. I really Harold don't know. Washington set them up to do to go to blatant communities. And schools. Not the That's blighted it. Lincoln Park. To hell with <laughs> Lincoln Park. Sorry. <laughs> Lincoln Yard, 63, 603, whatever. We cannot continue to fund projects that hurt and displace us. Right. 
that TIF dollar should be used for black and Latino folks in my community to build businesses. Mm -hmm. We don't, we used to own all the institutions from CERMAC to 115. We own nothing now. It's Mm -hmm. owned by people who are either don't look like us or not from either Chicago. Mm -hmm. How fair is that for a city I'm born and raised in? I'm not even getting the opportunity to have a business in my own community with my own tax dollars and taxing bodies I pay into. Right. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's common sense to me, but common sense ain't common. Mm hmm. So I, you were speaking earlier, Viz, about um, teachers getting attacked by uh, people who are outside of the situation. So, and there was just a lot of back and forth with the mayor and with CTU. How do we build a better relationship? Because I feel like it was a very adversary relationship. And I feel like when you work together, I feel like it'd be better outcomes. So I feel like that gap can be bridged where the mayor um, and CPS could just have a better, more friendly relationship. With, with CPS, because we're the teachers. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like there's this adversary relationship with the police officers or the firemen. What is this? Why is it such an adversary relationship with, with teachers? So my answer to that is an elected representative school board. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you it's expect true. the same lawyers who work for Daly, that work for Rom, and now work for Lori to advocate on the behalf of students? I'm going to wait again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not going to happen. These people make millions and millions of dollars off mistreating us. You think they want to mm. give that up for little old, little old Keisha, little David, right. little Juan? No, they're banked on they're going to live a comfortable life by mistreating us and not giving us the services and respect that we deserve and that we earn. That's your right when you're born in this country. Mm-hmm. I agree. They won't even give the people in Flint clean water. Are you serious? Right. So elected school board is the answer. Elected school board. I like Elizabeth on that board. But how many people on that board are going to tell Janice no? Right. They're going to go along. And I hate it because there is some people that will say no. But for the most part, that's always unanimous. Not not lately. Elizabeth from, I will give it to her. That's. And I give it to her for She's a bunch of reasons. She, okay. you know, and at the end of the day, you notice nobody said anything. They didn't want, of course, they get the students to go, we're going to miss our sports. You can break your leg, but if you can read, thank a teacher. If you could divide, mm-hmm. thank a teacher. Right. Don't tell me about sports. Yeah, it's important for young people to have those things. But what's important is if they can read and write. Right. And too often when they're out of school or because CPS plays games with curricula and we talk about the park test, teachers don't even get to do that. So what, what could people in the city that want to change some of these things, what could they do? I'm just a regular citizen sitting around at home, Mm -hmm. listening to this wonderful podcast with you on it. And what can I do to help this situation? Let's all go down to Springfield Mm. and raise all type of holy hell to get the state legislators to get Cullerton. And get Madigan, yeah, I said it, Uh-oh. to call the elected school board yeah, so we can have an elected representative school board. There are 300 school districts in the city, I mean, in the state of Illinois, and it's one that's appointed and the one that predominantly serves black and Latino students. Right. So it's racist, yeah, maybe yeah. it's 800. Yeah, it's you know, we say 299, they're 300. Right, so right, 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 thank right. you for rescuing right. me. But at either rate, the only one that's appointed is Chicago. Right. And it's because of the race of the students that they serve. Yep. Right. Let's call this what it is. It's racism in the in the 
oldest way right. ever. So when we go down, so is it a Springfield day we either go down? Is it like a, is it a teacher day, Alderman day, whether we go down to Springfield? Is everybody do we, go down there everybody go down and down get there. them to act like they got some mm. sense? And we need to do what we did in this election. We gave the, the, the Democratic machine a knockout that they did not see coming. The same thing has to happen in Springfield. Mm. You know, some people need to go. They've been there too long. They keep us from moving in the way that we need to move. And they don't really move in our interest. One of the hardest things for me when I ran for office was calling myself a Democrat. Mm. And I had to tell people I was an independent Democrat. Mm. Why? Because historically, what are the Democrats really doing? Nothing. Nothing. I said it. Okay, <laughs> so you said some people need to get out of the state office. So how you 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 just you know you just recently ran and you won. How does somebody run? How does the everyday common person who wants change how do they run for elected office like a state official office and win? You got to be doing the work. I won because. I've spent the majority of my life fighting for what's right. When the cameras weren't on, when nobody was paying attention, and I could talk to everyday folks. I could try, I could talk trap house and white house. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need in people. And to be genuine, I don't pretend to be, I'm not a politician, but I'm an organizer that works at City Hall. And I don't even work at City Hall. I work for the constituents of the 20th Ward. And so being myself, fighting for it was it was hard it's not easy and I think just my years of organizing led me to this when I didn't see it coming right all right well thank you so much Jeanette for being here thank you so much I know you're working hard at City Hall and give Mm -hmm. them all you got and I'm I'm just so glad you're there thank you I appreciate it and don't leave us as elected officials this is okay this work is not easy don't stop organizing because when people don't move the way we move, we need them to move. Y'all need to be able to go to their offices and their house and say, I wish you wouldn't vote on it. Mm-hmm. I wish you would vote on that. Right. We cannot forget that they go hand in hand. You right. cannot have elected officials at City Hall and expect them to, like I tell people, be the magical Negro that can turn water into wine. <laughs> you got to support us on that. You got to be there. Right. There has to be some organizing. The That's teacher right. strike being over does not mean we don't stop. That's we stop right. informing. Right. It's a new Teachers, beginning. We start informing our parents. A lot of our parents to working, we got to remember, they working 80 hours a week. We got to be there to inform them like, hey, I know you only got five minutes. I maybe only see you on report card pickup. But let me tell you what this school don't provide. Let mm-hmm. me tell you how many kids are in the school. Right. Let me tell you I don't got a nurse. You know, I was on a local school council for 22 years. I got to see a lot of the inequities over and over again. Some of our parents don't. And I, I said that to CTU years ago when they heard me, which is how we came up with this, which is why I was a part of the community and labor table. Right. We got our issues. We got to see them as they own. I always say teachers are co-parents. Who spends more time with my child than me? Right. My child's teacher. And bless her heart. Have five <laughs> kids. That's right. They have five different personalities. Y'all got 30 people. So I could just. Wow. Like yeah. I give you. I always tell the joke of at the beginning of the school year. When teachers send out the notes and say, I want tissue, I want this, and I need paper, and I need, if you need a wash and dry, whatever you need, I want to give it to you. Just take your kid back in September. Okay, that's right. <laughs> Just take your kid back, because he yours now. Right. So many of you all don't know, um, Jeanette was also part of the diet hunger strike. I so we have diet is up. One, one reason why diet is up and running is because of Jeanette. And I think how many other people are on the hunger strike so with it you? it was 12 of us that went on the hunger and strike. how long was that hunger strike? About a month? It was 
I was on for 30 days. They was on on 34. After the 30th day, my grandbaby, my first and only grandbaby was born. And Mm -hmm. people started to look like hamburgers and hot dogs to me because I was losing (laughs) it. So I bet, I bet. Yeah, you know, you see could tell I could eat. So (laughs) I was struggling doing the hunger strike. But But it was worth it. And we thank you again for that sacrifice. I would do it all over again because diet is a school that regular young people in the community could attend. Yes. And it has a lot of investment in it. So and I, I know several teachers that take their kids go to diet. Most in my building, uh, students that go to diet. I always so. get people who, who find me on the street or mm-hmm. on the bus and say, thank you. And mm-hmm. I was nice. like, it was more than, it, it was an honor to make sure the young, we stand up. Because people do it all the time. That ain't, people always forget if it wasn't the diet hunger strike. Right. Would have never happened without the little village hunger exactly. strike. Right. So how can people, re- you said you're organized, always organized by heart. How can people reach out to you and help you organize or help you in your fight? How can they reach out to me? So my email is <laughs> Jeanette.Taylor, that's J-E-A-N-E-T-T-E dot T-A-Y-L-O-R at cityofchicago.org. My personal cell number is 7- wow. 7-3-6-2-0-9-0-5-5. And so y'all looking like, why would this lady give out her number? They didn't employ my employees or the people. Oh, I don't even call them employees, my coworker. They voted for me. And so if you, you want to organize with me, you need to be able to talk to me. Mm. And so my constituents call me and I just asked the only thing. Don't call me after nine o'clock unless you dead on fire because I'm domesticated. Mm. I got to I got to cook. I got to clean and take care of my family. That's right. But we got to be in and, and we, we don't get personal with people. It's what makes it's what made me different. Think about this. In my race, it was 21 people, 15 people turned in petitions, nine made it on the ballot. It was two and I was the one. Wow. Because I, it, this is personal for me. Yes. I'm not doing it because I, I want to climb. I'm doing this because this is what's right for my community. And we got to work together. We are no different. We, we got to figure it out because either this system going to eat us. It's, I tell it all the time. And Paul Mooney, and I was, I'll end with this. Paul <laughs> Mooney is one of my favorite comedians. Mm, and he yeah. says either we going to hang together or we going to hang together. Mm. And, there, and what a great note to end on. Yeah, that is a great <laughs> note. All right, thank you, Miss Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor no, for coming to CTU Speaks t- CTU. And thank you for being all of the 20th, Alderwoman of the 20th Ward and taking City Hall by storm. There thank you, you all for having Thanks me. Thanks for your fight. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of CTU Speaks, episode 12. I can't believe we're 12 episodes in. Isn't that crazy? We're like pros now. A little bit. (laughs) You sound professional, at least. Well, don't forget to share us. Don't forget to share us with all your friends. And you can get us on anywhere you get your podcast from, any platform. And please feel free to call us. Our number is 312-467-8888. You can remember that, but I'll say it again. There you go. 312-467-8888. And also, if you want to be a part of the Communications Public Relations Committee in which this podcast has come from, we are having our meeting, our monthly meeting, on Tuesday, December 10th at 5 p.m. at the CTU office. So please come and be a part and share your ideas. And if you've been inspired by the story of the CTU-9, uh, we're having a leadership conference for anybody in the building. Doesn't have to be a, it doesn't have to be a delegate. It can be anybody who's been feeling empowered from the strike and wants to keep that going. 
Uh, this is going to be in early January. We'll come back to you on the next episode with a specific date. But definitely come come to it. You can get trained up in anything you want to do, how you want to focus your attention and your energy to keep this going forward. And until then, we are CTU Speaks.